Hey, 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 how you doing? And welcome to the Weekend Wrap-Up with Rick Sincere. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. I just want to kind of um, go through a few things that happened this weekend. So I will be doing um, from, uh, you know, pretty much every week a weekend wrap up. I love football. So what you normally get from me is a weekend wrap up of what happened in football, whether that's um, college or NFL. Now we know that the NFL season is um, coming to an end. The college football season will end tonight. Um, and so um, after that, you'll start hearing a little bit more about basketball and some other things that happened over the weekend. But for the most um, part, this is what it is. I love football and you'll get this from me um, So expect to hear that So first off, we're going to start off with something that um, Was absolutely awesome um, In the world of football and that was the NFL playoffs And so Playoffs were great um, Actually a lot of intriguing matchups um, There weren't any for real Blowouts, there was one that was close to a blowout But there weren't any real for real Blowouts And so we're going to just talk about the first matchup that happened um, And the first matchup that kind of went down was a was a phenomenal matchup. It was between the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, everybody had everybody, and, and almost every analyst that I saw, I didn't hear any difference. Sorry, y'all. Um, I didn't hear any um, any difference in analysis um, when it came down to um, to who people thought will win that matchup. Everybody thought that the Kansas City Chiefs would walk out of that matchup. As the um, as the winner and will move on to the second round of the playoffs. Nobody expected the Tennessee Titans to do anything. And for about the first half of that matchup, everybody was right. It was explosive plays um, happening all over the field. And they were mostly led by Alex Smith and um, Tyreek Hill. And that was basically it was it was um Alex Smith, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt. It was it was that same um that foursome, right? That seemed to be um almost unstoppable at the beginning of the season. They seemed to be right back moving in stride um during the first half of that game. Smith dumps it off, Hill hung on to that one, breaks the tackle, and here he goes. Inside the Tennessee 30 and wrestled out of bounds by Denoris Searcy, a safety. In coverage, and it's a crisscross. One tight end set the depth, Hill came underneath it, a natural pick. And after the catch is where these Chiefs do a lot of damage. But just a three-man rush, Smith had plenty of time to find an open look. And Tyreek Hill and this chief offense. And it seemed that that's the way the game was going to go. It really looked like they were, and that was basically um, really early in the game, but that seemed to be the whole entire vibe of the first half and seemed to be where they were headed. And then something happened. <laughs> Everything in the league is this stuff. Four-man rush. Smith over the middle. They'll get the eight-yard loss back and more. It looked like Kelsey... Might be hurt as he went down to the ground. The ball is out. The play's blown dead. And with the half approaching, Kelsey down the tunnel heading for the locker room. Kelsey would not return. And with Kelsey not being able to return, the entire Chiefs, Chiefs often seems to stall right at that point. They seem to stall, and there was nothing um, that they could do to kind of get themselves back in. Now, going into a game like this, you, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they revolved their whole offensive plan around what they could do with Tariq Hill, around what they could do with Travis Kelsey, and around what they could do with Kareem Hunt. Um, however, losing Travis Kelsey um, at that point late in the first half really, really changed things. At that point, they were up 14-3, and it seemed that later 
later on, um, as this matchup went along, um, they just couldn't do anything with former Heisman Trophy winner um, Derrick Henry. He completely took over this game. He rushed for 156 yards and a touchdown. Henry ripping through. Henry inside the 20. Henry inside the 5. Touchdown, Tennessee. That's a great job by Marcus Mariota. Three Kansas City Chiefs over here. The audibles to a run to the strong side. You see the right guard, Klein, pull on that one-back power play, and they punish the Chiefs. So what a dominating game that completely end the Alex Smith era. Let's start the Mahomes. So, as I was saying, let's start the Mahomes era because that's kind of where this is headed. The next game um, that was up for the later on that day was the Falcons. Falcons going up against the Rams. Now, the Rams were favored in that game. The Rams have been, you know, I've talked about the Rams ad nauseum this season. I talked about how much I like their offensive presence and their offensive prowess. They have four wide receivers who can affect a defense. However, it seemed that the Rams just could not get out of their way in this match. Backs up, that comes forward, starts to call for the fair catch, then has to let it go. And the ball is loose, and it hit Cooper, and if the Falcons recover it, they're going to be in great shape, and they think they have. We'll wait for Hockley and the crew to come in and let us know. First big break of the game. No question. Cooper touched the ball, but then there was a state of confusion out there as the other players were a little confused. Do we grab it? Do we not? We're not sure. Countess didn't know exactly what to do, and ultimately that cost the Rams the football, and that is a huge play for the Atlanta Falcons. The Rams would do stuff like that the entire time, the entire night. They looked like they were just overwhelmed by the Atlanta Falcons, and they looked like they could do nothing with that team. Um, The Falcons looked dominant. They looked absolutely dominant. Devontae Freeman, every time he touched the ball, he looked incredible. He slashed through for 66 yards and a touchdown. It seemed um, as if he could do whatever he wanted at any time. Julio Jones was also a problem. Julio went off for nine receptions for 94 yards and a touchdown as well. The Falcons' offense just seemed to be unstoppable. Um, The Rams, to me as a viewer, just felt too stiff, almost just too immature, and just not ready for that moment. Um, Gurley didn't really, like, come alive until later on in the game, and by that point it was just too little too late. Play action, and that pass is going to be hauled in by Jones for a touchdown. A floater, and he's able to make the catch. Into the end zone, he goes for the touchdown. Watch what Matt Ryan does with this lollipop. Do it, and he just buys Julio a little time, and there was John Johnson out there, a gutsy call, a gutsy throw. Very much. Second and 19. And at that point um, in the game, it was 26 to 13. There was only four minutes and about 55 seconds left. You knew it was over, um, and you knew um, that it would be a wrap for the Rams in their incredible story this year. Um, Sean McVay did an ex. He did an excellent job with that team. Um, definitely, he should be a Coach of the Year candidate. Nobody expected anything from the Rams this season, and towards the end, you expected the world of them. Um, and it seemed to be just too much for that team. The Falcons, with their playoff experience, went in to L.A., dominated, and now they're on their way to Philadelphia, where I feel 
they're going to leave Philadelphia winners as well. But I'm not the only one who feels like that. <laughs> um, you hear a lot of that type of analysis throughout the week. All right. So let's move on to the next game. The next day, there was um, there was a great game between the Bills and the Jaguars. Now, when I say great game, I mean great in the sense of if you really love dominant defense, then this was a game for you. Um, not really because um, the not really because the Bills defense was so dominant. It was just that um, the Jaguars defense is a beautiful defense to watch. They're just it's a phenomenal defense to watch. So the story of this game was basically blown opportunities by the Bills and dominant defense um, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bortles was horrible passing. He only threw for 87 yards, but on the ground, he led the team with, with 88 yards rushing. Um, it was just enough to beat the Bills. Um, the Bills just seemed overmatched from the from the top to the bottom it just seemed like there was nothing they could do with a fully healthy Shady McCoy I still feel that they would have felt overmatched in this matchup um but it was just a few opportunities for the Jaguars that they needed to come alive for them here we go fourth and goal Portal stumble for a moment up top he's got his man for the touchdown Koyak with the catch And that was all they needed. Um, really, a ten to three win um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars um, as they look to go on to Pittsburgh. So um, there's a lot more happening, but there's one more game I got to talk about. All right, now for the last game of the weekend, it was the New Orleans Saints versus the Panthers. And if you know anything about Rick, you know that this game had a special place in my heart. It really did because it's the New Orleans Saints, and that's my team. Um, and so. But I'm going to give you, you know, just non-biased commentary about this whole game anyway. Um, so you have the New Orleans Saints who were um, actually the New Orleans Saints were favored to win this game only because they had um, faced the Carolina Panthers twice before. And they beat them twice before. They beat them once on the road and then they beat them once at home. And so they were scheduled to play them um, at home um, this time. And so... Um, this game basically came down to this blown opportunities by the Carolina Panthers and um, pretty solid offense from Drew Brees. Just got it away. Pass to the end zone is dropped. Kalen Clay could have walked this ball and handed it off any better than where he placed it. That's a perfect throw by Cam Newton and not an easy throw to make. You got to put it right on the sideline so only your guy can can make the play on it. The Graham Gano. The Panthers would follow that missed touchdown opportunity with a missed field goal um, by Graham Gano. And, and from that point on, it just seemed like, man, let's see what could happen with the New Orleans Saints. Um, after that, they, they kind of came off firing. Second and ten for New Orleans. Down the middle, deep, Ginn, caught, inside the 30. The former Panther, touchdown, New Orleans. The Superdome was rocking after that. You know kind of what was going on. Ted Ginn Jr. burst down the field um, for the longest touchdown of the season for the New Orleans Saints. Um... 
in a game where the Carolina Panthers controlled the run game. And so normally when you hear about the New Orleans Saints doing well this season, it's because you hear about a big game from Elvin Kamara, a big game from Mark Ingram. Neither one of those guys were able to get untracked at all. They were, Neither one of those guys were able to do anything. I think they combined for like 41 yards. Neither one of those um, guys were able to do anything. Elvin Kamara did have a touchdown, but he was really close to the goal line when he did it. In previous games, they've both been able to dominate, but the Carolina Panthers came in uh, with a you know with a stance that they're not going to allow um, the running game of the Saints to dominate. However, at that point, that's when you have a dangerous Drew Brees who just kind of uncorked in this game, and and they, it, he had a phenomenal game. He had a phenomenal game. Breeze. End zone open touchdown hill. They missed on. It seemed that Drew Brees um, and the Saints at that point would start to uncork a, a behind whipping um, like they generally would put on teams um, in like 06 and 09 and like years like 13. When you came to the Superdome, the Saints would unload on a team who, who was visiting, right? Um, however, the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton are just a different type of animal and the Saints knew they were in for a fight later on. Newton, Olsen, touchdown! The Panthers finally break through. These players... So he found, um, so Cam was, was back in a comfortable place. Once he got Greg Olsen back, he was able to kind of find um, Greg Olsen. He also found Christian McCaffrey later on for a big touchdown to bring the game uh, really, really close. Um, Greg Olsen and Christian McCaffrey went over 100 yards. Um, both did extremely well, um, but towards the end, it was just a little too late. And that ended um, an incredible night for the New Orleans Saints, who won this game 31 to 26. Um, the Saints will now travel um, to Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Vikings. They lost a game against them in the beginning of the year. In the first game of the year, the Minnesota Vikings beat the Saints um, pretty handily. Um, but at that time, the New Orleans Saints were a different team. We'll see if their newfound identity will help them um, to face the Minnesota Vikings and then come away a winner. Now, just for the people who, who love um, basketball as well, um, there was something else interesting that happened in, in basketball this weekend. Um, Lonzo's daddy is a bit of a problem. Um, and, and the reason I call him a problem is because it, it, it's one thing to just kind of randomly rant crazy stuff. You know what I mean? That, that's cool. Um, it's also another thing to, um, you know, to, to just really hype up your son. And that's great. That's so super great that you hype up your sons um, and you, you know, you kind of open a way for them. You open up a business, big baller brand. That's, that's great. Um, however, um, it becomes a problem when you start to spread things or, or you start to give your opinion to things that will 
possibly make somebody lose their job. And so over the weekend, um, Lonzo's dad, LeVar Ball, um, said that the Lakers coach, Luke Walton, has lost the team. Um, he's lost the team and no, and the players no longer want to play for him. So Rick Carlisle had something um, to say about this, but he really, he attacked LeVar Ball, but he really um, kind of went out at ESPN and said a lot of things um, to ESPN um, in his statement. Coach Association, um, I view the recent ESPN article, ESPN article as a disgrace, quite honestly. Um, Luke Walton is a terrific young coach who's bringing along a young team, um, and it's a difficult task. And if you don't believe, just ask me. You know, we're going through that now. We went through it last year. Um, ESPN is is a partner. You know, is, is, a, is an NBA partner, um, and they've been a great one. Um, but you know, part of that partnership is that you know they, you know. The coaches um, do a lot of things <clears throat> to help them with uh, with access, interviews, all those kinds of things. Um, and in exchange for that, you know, they, they should they should back up the coaches. Um, printing an article where the father of an NBA player um, has an opinion that is that is printed as as anything like legitimate. Um, erodes trust it erodes the trust that we built with ESPN so what Rick Carlisle is saying here is that if ESPN is going to print an article basically stating that Luke Walton has lost the team, um, almost citing LeVar Ball as a source, right, as a legitimate source, as an inside source um, to somebody who, who's really, um, he, he's basically saying that he has no credibility. Where's the credibility for somebody like a um, LeVar Ball, why is he cited as a actual source? Why does his inside knowledge on the team or, you know, his quote-unquote inside knowledge, why does that, um, why is that credited as something that we should listen to, something we should pay attention to? Why is that something that's making headlines, right? Um, and so he's saying that ESPN has been given all this excess. They have so much excess and they can do whatever. They should be backing um, the coaches. He has more to say. Listen up. And our coaches are upset because uh, Luke Walton does not deserve that. You know, two years ago, he took a he took a veteran team um, and led them to 24 wins in a row, which is an amazing accomplishment. And off of that, uh, you know, he earned the Laker job. And uh, to have to deal with these these kinds of ignorant distractions, um, you know, is is deplorable. You got you got my quote determine what what news to run based on what coaches will like no i'm saying that they they should they should look at their sources and and do a better job of determining whether they have any merit or any validity or are they just blowhard loudmouths that's what i'm saying wow strong words <laughs> extremely strong words um I, I do understand what he's saying here. It makes a ton of sense. I completely get it. Um, my question is, um, 
What does LeVar Ball want in this situation? What is his end goal? Does he want Luke Walton fired? And does he want a better head coach in um, for Lonzo? Does he think that's going to help Lonzo in his development? What is what is he asking for? We've seen him come after coaches before. He's strongly come coming after Luke Walton here. I don't know if Luke Walton or change at the head coach will help Lonzo in his development in the future. Anyway, this is Rick Sincere with the Weekend Wrap-Up. Talk to you soon. You're awesome. You're phenomenal. You're incredible. And that's why you're listening to the Trackstar Sports Network. Um, You don't believe we're a network? Okay. Let's try this on for size. We have now several podcasts um, that are coming out covering everything. We're covering weightlifting. We're covering basketball. We're covering football. Um, Now we are also covering baseball. So if you're looking for a little bit of baseball in your life, you want to check out the full count with Eric Parks. Uh, We're covering everything. You you talk about your um, specific NFL teams. You're still going to get some um, Cowboys talk even in the offseason with Star Talk with Jay Kells. You can listen for the Chiefs. We're going to get that from Will Smith with um, Red and Bold. You are going to get a ton of coverage as long as you're locked in, tuned in, staying tuned to what's going on with Trackstar Sports. Um, This is Rick Sincere, man. I'm so happy to hear from you. Um, Feel free to call in. Feel free to leave, you know, any type of comments that you have. We will respond. We love to respond. So it's been great talking to you. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you soon. God bless.